BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's an all-star weekend edition of the HHC. First day's events have already concluded. The Clorox Rising Stars featuring LaMelo Ball is in the books. We're going to break that one down. We're also going to look ahead to the rest of All-Star Weekend. And we got to look back a little bit more, too, because while we harped on a missed call from the last Hornets game against Miami, uh, the two-minute report came out and... Boy, that's just one of many things that Hornets fans are upset about now. So we're going to talk about it a little bit more here, and we'll do it all with the lead writer for Hornets.com, our good friend Sam Purley, back with us for a two-Sams edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Sam, I know you thought you might have been free of podcast duties here with the All-Star break, but no break just yet. There is no break. We've got, still got all, plenty of All-Star game action to come. The break kind of starts for us on Monday, Tuesday of next week, so a uh, different one that we'll be talking about today, but uh, happy to be here. It's different is what it is. The, the Clorox Rising Stars, first year with a new format instead of teams of rookies and sophomores or teams made up of rookies and sophomores who played on U.S. versus international teams. This time there were four living legends who drafted from the pool of players that included for the first time G League players as well. Lamelo Ball went third to team Gary Payton and uh, we saw the Elam ending instituted throughout first games were to 50 points. The third game, uh, the finale, was to 25. Unfortunately, LaMelo didn't feature in it. His squad knocked out on a game winner by Jayshon Tate of Team Barry, which ended up winning it. It was an entertaining show. LaMelo Ball, eight points, only one assist, but we saw some of his patented flashy dribbling and some of his uh, three-point prowess and uh, a lot of entertainment out there on the floor 
for the reigning rookie of the year. Your thoughts on the Clorox Rising Stars performance from LaMelo Ball? Yeah, obviously fun to watch him. I think we were kind of deprived of this last year. They named a Rising Stars team last season. They did not play the game. So uh, fun to kind of get back to a little bit of normalcy and do the full three days and watch. And, you know, it's so much. It's fun to see a lot of the guys from different teams around the league that maybe you don't get a chance to see as much, whether you're watching Hornets all the time like we are or uh, you only see them once or twice when they're playing the Hornets. But just fun. I mean, it's a fun fun night. It's entertainment. It's basketball. It's a, it's a great combination of the two. And I really like the new format too i think they did a good job of kind of thinking outside the box and both the first two games and even really the, the third one came right down to the wire so you know i like that they're kind of being a little bit more innovative and trying some different things just to make it a little bit more captivating keep everyone engaged so overall fun night to start things off last night yeah they they definitely with the elam ending coming into play both for the all-star game and this rising stars competition it's definitely been more competitive which is a lot of fun out there i guess we got to credit the hall of famer rick barry for bringing defense back to all-star week Weekend because that was certainly something that deprived us a little bit of the LaMelo show. He wasn't given opportunities to throw a lot of lobs or get a whole lot of alley-oops there because there was a definite defensive focus from Team Barry out there uh, that took away a lot of those lanes, but still a lot of fun to see. Uh, what do you think? Is defense back for All-Star Weekend now? Is that only if, if Coach Barry is out there with a the squad? That could be it. I think it's uh, it's interesting how some of the teams were constructed. It wasn't, I don't think they did like the draft sort of out in the open like they did with the regular LeBron and KD one, but you kind of look at the size construction, you look at some of the roster. I mean, they only had seven guys on each team, so you really kind of, who you've got is who you've got, and you definitely see they got some size. You know, Team Barry had Evan Mobley, who's been fantastic this year, big wing, and Franz Wagner. Isaac Coro is other, another big win playing really well for the Cavs right now so and then he had a couple Rockets and Alperin Sangoon big guys so you kind of see where the trend was he was kind of a big guy it seemed like Team Payton which Lamella was on was a little bit more guard heavy so a little bit of a balance but overall just you know what we're looking to see is just fun and I had fun I hope you had fun as well I I did indeed uh, most fun goes to team Barry Cade Cunningham the number one overall pick from this most recent NBA draft he wins MVP of the entire Clorox Rising Stars competition great to see LaMelo actually get his first real all-star experience. He's so nonchalant and, you know, nothing phases him at all, but I'm sure there's a part of him that was excited to be there for the first time after he got deprived it, as we all were, uh, from the COVID season of the normal all-star weekend. All right, coming up next, we'll look back at the loss to Miami. The two-minute report is out. What does it say? Why are Hornets fans particularly upset about this one? We'll talk about it next with Sam Purley of Hornets.com after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cataracts made it hard to see clearly. Even movies were blurry. So I went to Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. Now movies are as clear and sharp as they once were. The doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offer cataract surgery using the newest technology and lenses with short recovery times. See like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. A two Sam's edition of the HHC, Sam Farber and Sam Purley of Hornets.com, the lead writer here with us again on the HHC. So, Sam, we, we had a rarity for this podcast. We try not to harp on calls. It's a difficult job officiating, and they're the best in the world, and I'm not saying anything other than that. Here they are truly the best in the world, including the crew uh, that was out there for the Hornets versus the Heat. But that doesn't mean that they're perfect or that they were anywhere close to it 
in the extra session as well as the final two minutes of regulation of that Hornets heat game. And it clearly cost Charlotte based off the two-minute report that came out. The most glaring call was the foot on the line by Kyle Lowry. And uh, it's just bad luck, tough luck. Sorry about that, but we gave Miami an extra point. But it doesn't relieve the sting. What are your thoughts on it before we go in to all the other calls that happen to be missed? Yeah, um, tough break. I think I'm a little bit more towards kind of the medium here. And I think, as you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago during the Cleveland game. I have the non-exciting, non-controversial stance that I think all this stuff kind of balances out. Obviously, when you look at the Kyle Lowry three-pointers, you know, it kind of looks almost like his the arc of his foot is on the line. And sometimes it's just how it goes. It's not, it's not the fun answer. It's not what everyone hears. But I, I had no idea how the process worked. And just with the timing and just kind of missing it, it seemed like it was a couple bizarre kind of factors that sort of snowballed into they couldn't look at it at the time so fortunately a tough break but you know especially in the double overtime game where any number of calls at the end of regulation or the end of the first overtime a one point difference can end the game so obviously that was a tough one and you just kind of sometimes have to throw your hands up and just be, hey, we're, we'll be on the other side of one of those sometime, somewhere down the line. Well, hopefully they will be, I guess. Well, actually, hopefully not, because that that's a, a pretty bad call. I mean, the, the calls that we'll talk about later here, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of interpretation to any NBA call, block charge, all of them. You're looking for an official to make a judgment call with world-class athletes going at full speed. Whether or not someone's foot was on the line, that's not supposed to be the difficult part. This is akin, if you're looking at baseball, to calling a home run when the ball bounced over the wall off the warning track. It's such a big change in the circumstance here. It's really astounding that it happened. A couple other things on it that were shocking for me, and then I've had an extra 24 hours to marinate on it, so here we go. The shot was made at 2.02 of overtime. Now, the mechanics of this is when you're in overtime, the review has to be called for by the officials on the floor. It has to be immediate. But if it was 202 of any quarter in regulation, it gets changed by Sakakis. So that's a little upsetting. I wouldn't be shocked if that's something they talk about and say, hey, if the last two minutes of the fourth quarter are the only ones that are so important that we're going to put this into effect, maybe that should be the case for overtime as well. In addition, they said they couldn't go back and fix it because they were already two plays ahead because the ball had been inbounded. I think there's something that's missing in this. That kind of puts the pressure on Miles Bridges, who inbounded the ball, to A, be aware that they called it a three and not a two, and B, have the presence of mind to say, well, if I don't inbound the ball and stare at the ref long enough, maybe he'll change his mind, never mind the fact that you're risking a five-second or some other weird violation by doing that. So there's a lot of stuff that went wrong on that play. What are your thoughts on on those two elements of it? Could this get changed in the future? And them, in a sense, passing the buck and saying, well, you know, the, the play's over. we got to move on now. Well, I think credit to the NBA. I think they're, they're really good at kind of like looking at things like this and, and because they don't want a situation where something happens. And you look at this here with sort of the continuation calls and the foul calls. I mean, they're constantly working to improve the game and making sure the procedural methods, I think, is kind of a little confusing. I mean, I certainly learned something over the last 24 hours looking at it. But I think if you're miles, too, I mean, things are happening so fast and over time, the adrenaline, I don't think you're necessarily aware of 
hey, that was what we have to do and look at the time. I mean, they're the Hornets, especially the Hornets, who are a team that ball hits the net. I mean, they push the pace and try to catch Miami. I think they actually hit a three on the next possession. You know, I think now you know for the future if something like that were to happen. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those tough lessons to learn, I guess. But I don't think anybody really in the moment recognized it just because it is sort of a kind of clunky interpretation in terms of timing and what you can do and what happens and what happens to be signaled. So, you know, fingers crossed it doesn't happen again. But if you do... If you, you know, be ready for it the next time. The overtime period, which ended in a tie, an extra point was given to Miami. But wait, there's more. The regulation uh, final two-minute report confirms the following missed calls. Bam Adebayo credited for a block shot on the floor on a Lomelo short-range lob, one of his patented shots. It looked like a goaltend in the moment. It actually was, but those two points, of course, did not go on the board for the Hornets. At the time, it would have made it 87-86 for Charlotte. Instead, it remained 86-85 for the Heat. The ensuing play, Jimmy Butler has a drive trying to go on a fast break. He travels. It was not called. He did miss the shot anyways. Next trip down the floor, Miles Bridges drives for a falling away lay-in. He's fouled by Jimmy Butler. So says the two-minute report, but it wasn't called. And on the rebound... Montrez Harrell goes over the putback. He's fouled by P.J. Tucker, and that's not called. Also, the two-minute report says it should have been. So Sam Perley, five calls missed. All went in favor of the Heat. And and just to be fair here, the missed travel doesn't change the scoreboard at all because Butler missed the shot, so let's ignore it. And between the foul on Bridges' shot and Harrell and Montrez's putback, only one of them really would have been called in that sequence, so let's not pretend Charlotte was shorted four free throws. But they were owed two. So in a regulation session that ends tied, Hornets had two points taken away from the missed goal 10, two free throws taken away as well. And in the overtime session that also ended tie, Miami gets an extra point. Talk me off the ledge, please. Well, you can back away from the ledge. The game's over. We're doing all-star festivities right now. I'm not going to let you dampen the mood. And I think you made up a really good point earlier that so much of this stuff is subjective. I mean, it's so easy to look back at the tape and look and, and second it's just it's one of those things it's just it's hard in the moment you know if you stopped and look at especially in a game like that I mean it was really physical really competitive really kind of back and forth I mean that felt like kind of like a playoff game there especially with the score double overtime game and the winning team has 111 points so I think it's so hard when you have those subjective calls whether something's a foul whether something's a travel it's just challenging I think you made a good point about stuff that's a little bit more black and white foot on the line I thought the one that kind of really stood out to me in the moment was the BAM goaltending on LaMelo. I think that one seemed a little bit more, I mean, it is subjective at the time, but that one looked a little bit more on the other side too. But some of the other stuff, I didn't even notice it in the moment. So it's kind of weird. Like how necessarily upset can you be? I didn't see any travel. I didn't see any contact. I mean, it was a really, really physical game. I think you could have gone back through the whole 58 minutes and found tons of stuff. So, I mean, you can come back off the ledge. We're in all-star mode. We're having a good time. And like I said, There'll be a game down the line where the Hornets are on the other side, and we won't even be having this conversation. To stretch it, one more question for you. You referenced it earlier, the Cleveland game earlier in this slump. uh, There was another missed call in the two-minute report that had it gone the way it, according to the two-minute report, should have been officiated. Charlotte likely wins that game. Now, there are other worse missed calls in that game to begin with that did go the Hornets' favor. So in, in that sense, you're right. It does all even out in the end. But for the sake of argument here... There are two two-minute reports in the last three weeks, both indicating that Charlotte 
should have gotten calls that they didn't. That would have changed the outcome of games. So that's two more wins for the Hornets. Right now in this season, that's the difference between being right behind Brooklyn for eighth and essentially being tied for ninth slash tenth with Atlanta. And you look over last season, a two-game jump for Charlotte last year would have put them in eighth place for the play-in tournament versus tenth. And really just about any spot in the standings, two games is huge. You're talking about home court advantage swinging, not having to be in the play-in tournament swing. All kinds of things change on two games. And we all know full well that a lot of careers and a lot of salaries are going to be determined based off wins and losses. So how should the Hornets front office, how should fans, how should they look at now two games that should have, in theory, gone the Hornets' way are now in the loss column. I think about three months from now, we're not going to think back, hey, the the two-minute report says the Hornets should actually be 44 and 38, not 42 and 40. They're going to say the record is what it is. I'm going to give the other very kind of unexciting answer. I think you just have to control what you can control. And I'm going to be so steadfast in my very boring argument that it's going to even out at the end. And I think there's probably calls and games the Hornets have won that we haven't even noticed because that went in the Hornets' favor that kind of flipped things because we're thinking win and that's all that matters. We're not really going back and looking at, hey, we have, we're probably benefited from some calls on the other side. And they certainly had their opportunities. I mean, you had 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. Montrez Harrell, unfortunately, missed that free throw. There was that four-point play by Duncan Robinson. I want to say there was another offensive rebound that the Heat had somewhere in overtime that Hornets just missed. Kicked it to Robinson in the corner. He hit a three. There just was so many. I mean, it's, it's tough, too, because you have the stuff that you couldn't control. And there was a handful of plays. And you just came up a little bit short and just kind of all compounded together. It was a really kind of tough loss. Obviously not the one you want to enter the All-Star break on, but you got to control what you can control. I thought they played great for most of the game. I think they had a couple bad stretches there in the fourth quarter that let the heat back in it and then a couple things just didn't go their way and you just got to kind of use it as motivation that you're playing well come back from the all-star break refresh and hit hit the ground running and and make these last 22 games count nothing you can do about what's already happened that is very true and i think we flushed this out about as well as we can i don't think i'm going to feel any better about it anytime soon uh nor would anything you could have said made me but uh i tried (laughs) But thanks for going through the exercise uh, with me, Sam Purley of Hornets.com. We're not done yet here on the HHC. We will get back to more fun topics. We're going to talk about the All-Star Game coming up, as well as our favorite moments of All-Star Weekend, including one that's definitely going to be on Shacked and the Fool. That's next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, it's time to get some new gear. The best selection of new and classic Hornets apparel is at the Hornets Fan Shop, now with new extended hours. Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. Sam Farber, Sam Purley, lead writer of Hornets.com here with you on the HHC. Sam Purley. The All-Star Weekend is underway. We already talked about the Clorox Rising Stars 
sequence of games. LaMelo Ball, really good performance. A, a defensive-minded team. Rick Barry ends up getting the win. The Hornets star does have some highlight moments. Not the only headline moment or notable moment from the first day of All-Star weekend. There was also the celebrity game, including some four-point plays, which were interesting. I don't know if that's something that's being uh, actually tested, but uh, it was interesting to see it put into place. The other thing was they had this clutch shooting challenge where the winning team of Desmond Bain and Tyrese Halliburton were very clutch. Then one team was very not. Uh, The combination of Tyrese Maxey and Scotty Barnes managed to miss six attempts from about four feet out. Quite frankly, Sam Perley, I think you and I could have stood there and made it faster than they did. Uh, that is definitely going on Shaq and a Fool, not top 10. Pick your favorite blooper reel. That's going to be on it for a while. Yeah, I was, to be completely transparent, I was kind of writing a little bit after the uh, after LaMelo's game ended, kind of getting some stuff down, getting some note down, so I didn't see. I wasn't watching the Clutch Challenge, but I did see the Scotty Barnes thing kind of trending, and I said, oh, what happened? And it's, oh, no, he's missed shot after shot. It reminded me of kind of one of those, like, halftime contests where they take a fan to, you know, make – you know, a layup and something to win, you know, a bunch of money. And they, they can't get that first one to even get on to the next one. They got to hit four. So that's what kind of reminded me of it. Celebrity game too. I watched a little bit of that. I saw one fun highlight is that, and I, I don't know his name, but the, one of the gold medalists, I think from the Tokyo games, if you can find it, had a putback slam he's a high italian high jumper gold medalist had a putback slam that was really cool to see so i didn't recognize a lot of the names but to see something like that in a celebrity game given also olympic high jumper makes a little sense i thought it was pretty uh pretty the first time that's happened so it's all good fun and yeah hopefully there's more to come tonight should be a lot of fun and obviously tomorrow as well i'm with you on that i've enjoyed some editions of the celebrity challenge but i think more and more uh, i i like the idea of putting Former athletes, because putting current athletes into an all-star game is is just asking for trouble. Someone's eventually going to tear something they're not supposed to. So at least get people that are out of active duty on their sports. But get some celebrities out there that are are athletes. You know, get uh, former Olympians, get former NFL players, MLB players, put them out there. Let some of them go out there. It's fun to see some of the celebrities out there. But I kind of would like to see a different class of athlete try their hand at basketball and see what it looks like. Yeah, I'm good with it. I think, uh, to be truthful, I'm a little bit older, so I didn't recognize a lot. Not, you know, old, old, but kind of some of these names are just not recognizing, whether it's Instagram influencers and, and TikTok people and stuff like that. You know, I, I noticed Miles Garrett was on there. I think he had a big block. I recognized a couple of the actors and actresses. And I think, you know, it definitely had kind of a Cleveland feel. Like there were some local Cleveland celebrities and things like that. So I didn't watch too much of it. I was kind of resting up a bit to watch the uh, the Rising Stars stuff. But I I like it. I like your idea. And I think I think it was cool definitely seeing that the Italian high jumper come in and say, what kind of sports could, you know, a guy from a different sport or a female from a different sport come in and, and see if their skills can translate over to basketball. So uh, I like the idea. Let's 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 get it going for uh, let's start the push for next year. There you go. We'll draw the line at uh, no inserting ice there so a, a figure skater can try and do a triple toe loop into a dunk and uh, no pole vaulters bringing their pole onto the floor. We're going to have to limit things at a certain spot. The All-Star Week and continues. LaMelo Ball talked before the, the Rising Stars sequence. He was asked a, a series of questions. It basically amounted to this. The, the most notable quote I got from him was uh, his goals for the weekend are to stay safe, stay out of the cold, 
don't get sick. I like that he's focused on his season and, and getting back to work for the Hornets. Uh, that's that's certainly appreciated. I hope he has some fun. I think he will. My bold prediction, I think he's going to threaten double-digit assists in the All-Star game because after Team Barry had that defensive focus for the Rising Stars series, uh, I think once he gets into the actual All-Star game where it's a bit more free-flowing and all the players want their highlights, I think is going to be there to provide the assists. Yeah, I'm good with it. And it's been a, maybe a while since the Hornets have had a, a player this young in the All-Star game. You know, in terms It's of never the happened Hornets. before they've had a player yeah. this young in the All-Star yeah, game. Exactly. <laughs> never. I mean, you have to go all the way back to you know the mid-90s with Larry, Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning to have somebody that was kind of in that same, at least second season. I know age-wise, never been this young. But I don't know if there's like a pecking order or if it's one of these things that the LeBrons and the guys like that are going to be the ones that gets the shots and things like that. And you, you kind of have to work your way up third or fourth all-star game is that's when you get to kind of run the show a little bit but I think a good way to kind of integrate yourself with those stars and those guys that have been there you know nine ten years is feed them just keep passing the ball and I think you know set them up for shots set them up for lobs set them up for dunks push the pace and transition I think that's a good way to kind of endear yourself to these guys that have been around they bring a number of all-star games and uh and that's perfectly that's exactly what LaMelo does so that's I think I like I like where you're trending I like what you're thinking just kind of facilitate get guys to rock get some baskets going and then you can obviously get you know team Durant's not playing but who you know hey keep LaMelo on the floor keep LaMelo on the floor he's get, getting us pushing things so uh, I think that's what you got to do to stay on the floor if you LaMelo ball just share the ball well I think that pecking order is going to keep him off for a certain amount of minutes I don't have any doubt about that but I do think one day future all-star game I think LaMelo ball will set a record for assists I don't think it's going to be you know necessarily this weekend but I think it'll happen at some point in his career we look forward to uh, giving you our post all-star game thoughts and another edition of the HHC Sam Perley is already committed to it but after 125 consecutive days of podcasts yes I counted them we're taking a one-day break, so we're going to be back on Monday to give you our wrap-up of the All-Star Game and other general thoughts. Uh, we will go ahead and break down the All-Star Game for you, look ahead to the final stretch run of this 2021-2022 season, and talk about all things Hornets with our good friend Sam Purley. Sam, for the moment, thanks for joining us today here on the Hornets Ivecast. Yes, thank you for having me, and enjoy your one-day break, and everybody else, enjoy the Saturday night stuff. That's always a lot of fun, and obviously, enjoy tomorrow's game. See LaMelo, hopefully comes out, performs well, and uh, take a couple days off and get back at it next week. Well said. We will talk to everyone then. Till next time, for our producer, Rob Longo, my guest, Sam Perley, I'm Sam Farber, saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.